Bibles, if you would, to the book of 1 Thessalonians. <clears throat> it is a an obscure kind of book. It's not one of the more what we would consider popular books in the Bible. And if you're anything like me, you learn uh, names and places by association. Uh, do you not? I, I, that's how I do it. Hey, let me give you an example. Uh, we have a visitor with us. I'm going to put her on the spot. Uh, her name's Mary. Uh, and she is Lee's mom, right? Okay. And the way I remember her name is when she introduced herself, first thing I thought of, well, that's my mom's name. So that's how, you know, I have to, I have to do that in order to remember people's names. Uh, and, you know, anyway, I'm kind of, I'm just slow that way. Um, but I want to give you, I want to give you a trick on how to remember where the book of First Second Thessalonians is. Okay, this is this again. This is how I, I have to do association. Um, it is in what I call the book, the the T books. First Second Thessalonians, First Second Timothy, and Titus. Okay, so if you if you thumb through the New Testament, you come across those five books. You're you're close. Does that help? You know, anyway, so that's that's how I have to do it. Anyway, I just, that was free. I, I just, you know. <clears throat> so anyway, if I forget your name, that means I haven't been able to associate it to something. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> now everybody's going to be wondering, ooh, I wonder if you remembered my name. Um but I remembered Mary's, and that's all that matters, right? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> when I was about 10 years old, give or take a little bit there, I was over to a friend's house, and he and his dad were getting ready to go up to the park. And, and if you, I grew up in L.A., okay? So everything revolved uh, sports-wise uh, around parks because that's, you know, you live in a concrete jungle, that's what you do. <clears throat> anyway, uh, they were getting ready to go up to this uh, park to uh, the, his, my buddy, uh, who was actually a couple years younger than me, uh, was getting ready to participate in a, a free throw shooting contest. Well, at that point in my life, basketball was something that meant almost nothing to me. I, I just didn't play basketball. I, it just, basketball, still today, I, to me, it's one of those games that other people play. I, it's just never been interesting at all to me. But anyway, um, uh, because <clears throat> I was at their house and had really nothing, nothing else to do, they said, hey, why don't you come along with us and, and, and you know, get involved in the free throw shooting contest. My first thought was, why? Okay, you know. But anyway, I had nothing to do. They were going, so I went. And so we get there, and we're, we're warming up. And needless to say, I'm pathetic at best at shooting three free throws. So my, my friend's dad comes over to me, and he, and he, and he helps me out. He's like, he's like, well, number one, you're holding the ball wrong. So he, you know, he taught me how to hold the ball and, and how, to, how to shoot, you know, how to shoot. 
And he said, but the most important part about shooting free throws is you have to focus on the back of the rim, right? Right where the rim meets the, the backboard, there's a little piece of metal, probably three or four inches square. He said, that is where you need to focus. He said, so that when you're shooting, you're shooting for that point. And prior to that, I, I was missing probably at least two-thirds of my shots. But as soon, as, soon as, he, as soon as he walked away, I changed, you know, because I don't know how I was holding the ball before, but I changed how I was holding the ball. But I was focusing on that, that piece of metal that holds the rim to the backboard. And I was, I was shooting for that point. And the more I shot, guess what? The more I got. And, and I, don't, I, I don't know time-wise, I don't remember. It wasn't very long, maybe 30 minutes between the time he told me that to the time that the shooting tournament started. And it was one of these things where you got in this long line and you shot, you, you shot a few, and if you, if you made all of them, you went to the back of the line. If you missed any, you, you got out. Anyway, long story short, I ended up winning my age group. And I hate basketball. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it was like, wow, that was cool. Still don't like it, but that was cool. The point, of, the point of the story is the fact is I didn't, I didn't make very many shots until I learned how to focus. And I, I, I believe with all my heart, and this is not a criticism of anybody, this is, a, this is an observation of life, that most of us go through life just shooting at the basket, spiritually speaking. We just, as we, as we muddle our way through life, as, as, the, as, as, as we, we, we work and as we deal with family pressures and all of the, the influences that, that seem to always be crushing us down, we just kind of throw up these Hail Marys uh, to God and try to muddle our way through life and we never really stop to focus on that little piece of metal that holds the rim to the backboard. And I want to challenge us this morning to focus. Because if we don't focus, we'll never win the tournament. And this is not about winning a, a race or a tournament, but it is about learning how to focus. And when we learn how to focus, we will then be able to make the shot. As a pastor, at least for, for, for me, okay, I don't know about other pastors. I can only speak for me. One of the biggest burdens that I carry as a pastor is what to preach when I stand in this pulpit to preach. Does that make sense? It is, it is an incredible burden that I take very seriously. I spend hours upon hours uh, praying and seeking 
seeking God and 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 I I I can honestly say I I don't know that there's ever been a time that I've stood behind this pulpit that that has not been a burden in my heart. Now chances are there's probably been times that that I've been in the flesh because I'm human, but it's something that I take very serious. And as I prayed for our our theme this year of, of focusing, having that 2020 vision, me and God did a lot of fighting. You know, I, those of you that have been here for a while know this because I admit it pretty regularly. I fight with God because I'm thick-headed. And God very clearly directed me to First and Second Thessalonians. And I said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like those books. I'm just being honest. Are, are, are y'all like me? You, you argue with God? Okay. But what happened was, God won. And for the first time, I really, you know, you know, when you're in when you're in, when you're in college, uh, Bible college, <clears throat> you 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 tend to study overviews. Does that make sense? You know, like you 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 study like I one of the classes I took was called the Pauline Epistles. So you you cover all of the books Paul wrote. So you never really get in depth. In, in, does that make sense? So I, I had never really studied these two books. And <clears throat> so, needless to say, over the last several weeks, I have studied these books. And I have found them to be incredibly awesome. Now, I'm going to make a statement that sounds kind of stupid, but all the books of the Bible should be awesome to us. But if you're like me, unless you know about them, it's just part of the Bible. Does that make sense? So the letters, because First and Second Thessalonians were literally letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica. And it would be very similar if our church was back in that day before, you know, anything uh, like, you know, before Scripture and everything. The, the Apostle Paul um, would have written us a letter to help us in our walk with God. Does that make sense? That, that's what these two books are. The thing that we need to understand, well, one of the things that we need to understand is that the society that the Thessalonian church, the church existed in, was hostile to Christianity. It would be very similar to being in China right now or India, probably closer to India. 
I don't know if you realize this, but there are Christians in India that are being martyred as we speak. Last week, I made a statement that we tend to let the noise of the world push us down. And I don't know how else to describe it than, than, than the phrase, the noise of the world. And as we develop this idea of focusing that we're going to be doing over several months, I want you to kind of picture in your mind what the noise of the world looks like in your life. Because to be perfectly honest, the noise that I deal with is different than the noise that you deal with. Some of you, it may be work. Some of you, it may be family members. Some of you, it may be a combination of both. I don't know what noise you deal with, but I do know this that if you will learn how to focus on the Lord, when you shoot the ball, you have a whole lot better chance of making the basket. But if you're just randomly throwing up prayers and randomly reading your Bible and just kind of randomly searching for God, guess what? more often than not, you're going to miss. We need to learn how to focus. The title of my message this morning is Learning What to Focus On. Learning What to Focus On. And to better understand Paul's motives for writing these two letters, we need to understand the church. So this morning is going to be a little bit different kind of a message in the sense that this is more of an introduction than it is a sermon. Does that that make sense? Because if you don't understand the, the, the events leading up to the writing of these books, then the writing of these books doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Let's start reading in chapter 1, in verse 1. Paul and Silas and Timotheus unto the church of the the Thessalonians, which which uh, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace, be unto you in peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience and of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, Beloved, your election of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your precious love and for the work that you do in our lives. 
And Lord, as we look at these incredible books, we ask, dear God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would not only speak to our hearts, but that you would change our lives and that you would help us to focus on the things that you want us to focus on. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, I, I want to say this, I, um, and I, I talked about this last week, and I just recognized I'm still struggling a little bit with it, but because of all the stuff that has happened to me physically over the last six or so weeks, uh, the, the surgeries, um, all the medications and different things that I've been on, my dyslexia has been in high gear. So if you hear me stuttering as I read, just please forgive me and be patient with me. And if I miss a word, that's okay. Uh, if I add a word, that's okay. I, it just, that's, that's when my dyslexia is flared up, that's what I do. So if you just forgive me and work with me, I'd appreciate it. Point number one this morning is uh, just the background. I want to I want to spend a few minutes kind of giving you some background because it's really important to understanding uh, uh, the the church of Thessalon the, the church of Thessalonica. <clears throat> now, Thessalonica is uh, a city. It's one of the rare cities in Scripture that you can actually go to today. Uh, we got a map for you um, here. Uh, it is actually today called Thessaloniki. Uh, I think that's how you would say it. Uh, but it is a uh, it is a port city uh, that you could actually visit today. It is an today it is an important industrial and commercial city in the in the country of Greece. And uh, <laughs> population wise, it's only second unto Athens. Uh, in Paul's day. When it was Thessalonica, uh, the population would have been about 200,000. So uh, back then, that would have been a very, very, very large city, uh, important city. Um, and it was ma mostly made up of Greeks uh, back in Paul's day. Uh, there would have been a, a fair, fairly good-sized population of Romans uh, living in that area. And there, obviously, from what we're going to learn the, this morning, there was a small but a very strong Jewish population uh, in the, the city of Thessalonica. Now, <clears throat> in order to understand how Paul got to Thessalonica, we actually have to go to the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 16, verse 9 says, And a vision appeared to Paul... In the night, there stood a man of Macedonia uh, and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So, this is the situation. Paul was on his missionary, one of his missionary journeys, and he has this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, Come to Macedonia. So, Paul makes... Uh, the trip to Macedonia. We have another, I have another uh, slide for you. This would have been in Paul's day. So Paul leaves where he was and ends up in <clears throat> the city 
of Philippi, which would, have, it would be right up in this area here. Okay, so Paul ends up in, in the city of Philippi. Now, Paul and Silas, <clears throat> when they go to Philippi, uh, I'm going to shorten this story just for time's sake. Um, they, they, some people get saved. Uh, anyway, a big, a big thing is made of it. Paul and Silas are beaten for preaching the gospel and thrown into prison. And this is where the, the quote-unquote famous uh, interchange of, uh, between Paul and the Philippian jailer takes place. In, in Acts chapter 16, verse 27 and following, it says, And the keeper of the prison uh, awakened out of his sleep, uh, seeing the, the prison doors open. Okay, let's stop right there. What had happened was Paul and Silas were beaten, thrown into the inner prison, and, they, and at midnight, what were they doing? They were singing and praising God. And then what happened? Okay, there was an earthquake. And when the earthquake happened, all the doors of the prison opened up. And uh, let's continue reading. And, and drew out his sword, and this is the, the keeper of the prison, drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had fled. But, but Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Needless to say, when Paul and Silas got out of jail, they had to get out of Dodge, so to speak. Okay, They were not welcome in the city of Philippi. They would have been beaten again and thrown back into prison. So they, they hightailed it. Out of out of dodge, so to speak. Can we see that that slide again, Chris? So they leave Philippi and they go to Thessalonica. Okay. <clears throat> Acts chapter 17, verses one to four, and it says, "Now, well, when they had passed through, uh, am, whatever, two two cities that start with a, um, <clears throat> then they came." <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I can barely read my name this morning. Are you kidding me? Um, and they came to Thessalonica, uh, where was a synagogue of the Jews. Okay, so we know that there were Jews there, and a relatively large population. Well, large in context because they had a they had a, a synagogue. Okay, uh, not every city in Macedonia or Greece. Uh, had synagogues because there weren't enough Jews there for them. But anyway, uh, and Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and for three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ, and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas uh, and of the devout 
Greeks, a a great multitude of the chief women and not a few. So he ministered in the the city of Thessalonica for three Sabbath days. Now, we just read that in those three Sabbath days, God did a great work and and a multitude of people were saved. And it's interesting that a special group of peoples identified. Did anybody pick up on that? It was, it, let, me, let me read it to you. It says, um, a, a great multitude of the chief women, not a few. So what happened was uh, there must have been a large population of very influential Jewish women that ended up getting saved. Uh, I just find that to be interesting that that group is identified uh, because you get an influ- influential woman and she's going to have obviously the ability to propagate the gospel exponentially. And so now not only is it just one or two influential women, it is a whole group, a large group of these women so, so what happens is the, the gospel is spread and the church of Thessalonica starts growing exponentially. Does that make sense? Okay. So question, how long was Paul in Thessalonica? About three weeks. What happened was the Jews in the synagogue, and we'd have to, well, <clears throat> let, let's just go ahead and read it. Acts chapter 17, verses 8, 8 through 10. It says, And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city <clears throat> when they heard these things, and when they had taken uh, security of Jason and of others, uh, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas, by night to Berea, who came thither, um, uh, went into the synagogue of the Jews. Okay, so let's go ahead and show that slide once more. So here's the the progression. Paul was somewhere down here, if if my memory serves me correct, goes up here to Philippi because of the vision that he had seen, the the man saying, come to Macedonia. He goes from Philippi to Thessalonica, and now he's in Berea. Now, the church at Thessalonica is only three weeks old. Why is that so important? It's a baby church. How much of the Bible, well, they didn't have the completed Bible, but how much of the, the Scripture did they know? Very little. Basically, all they knew is what Paul had been able to communicate to them in that three-week period of time. Question. Why is knowing all that so important to know about this book? Anybody? Okay. Too embarrassed? Okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry? 
there you go. They needed to know. They, they needed to know more. They, they, they knew very little. It would be, it would be the equivalent of how old is your baby now? Four months old. It'd be the equivalent of you sending them off to college and saying, go for it. You know, I don't think you're ready for that, are you? Yeah, I didn't think so. <clears throat> so, because the, the, the believers of the, in, in this church in Thessalonica were so immature, if you would, in the faith, they needed to know more. So Paul writes, particularly the book of 1 Thessalonians, and it is full of doctrine. It is full of the things that they need to know so that they can live their Christian lives in a fulfilling way. So that they're not standing at the free throw line just, just heaving the ball. They're aiming for that little piece of metal at the back. And that is the purpose of the book of First and Second Thessalonians. Paul is giving them the tools that they need to be able to focus. The second thing I want to talk about is Paul's burden. Paul has really, he has a couple of burdens. The first one is to let him know that he cares. He starts off by telling them how much he cares. We see it in verse 2. Uh, uh, we give thanks to God always for you, uh, making mention uh, of you in our prayers. My wife and I this morning were talking about it, and she, she made the statement, and I, I totally agree with the statement. People don't care how much you... Uh, yeah, people don't care how much you know until... What was that again? Until you, yeah, until they know how much you care. In other words, people need to see it. They don't need to hear it. They need to see it. And Paul here is trying his best to communicate how much he cares for them. The second burden that he that he carries <clears throat> is he wanted to ground them in doctrine uh, because because his time there was so limited. He wanted to prevent them from being pulled away with false doctrine or even, even just not caring about the things of God. Uh, something very similar uh, <clears throat> took place in the church of Ephesus. And Paul, when Paul writes to the church of Ephesus sometime later, he writes this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. He says that we henceforth not uh, be no more children tossed to and fro and carry about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And see, Paul understood that the church of Thessalonica uh, was, was, was prime for the false doctrines of that, that was all over Macedonia. They were they were idol worshippers and 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 all of the, the 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 false teachings and idolatry and all of that stuff 
he knew that the church of Thessalonica was, was prime picking for Satan, if you would. And he wanted to shoot off this letter to them so that he could help them understand truth. Let me give you an example of this, and I'm just gonna we're gonna talk more about it when we get to chapter four. But what had happened was while Paul was there, he mentioned to them that our Lord is coming. We sang about it this morning. Uh, my name is written in, down in glory, <clears throat> you know. And 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 you know what what what's the one thing that we have as believers is we know that the Lord is coming. I wish it were today. Okay. But he's coming. We know that. And Paul mentioned that. And, and he had heard that some of the young believers were, were struggling with this because they, they literally believed that he was coming like now. Guess what? We should, we should feel the same way. But, but what had happened was these young believers didn't quite understand all of the doctrine and all of the, the, the thing about the, 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 the coming of our Lord. And, and, they, and, and from the time Paul had left until the time Paul wrote this, there had been some of the believers that had died. And they were struggling with this idea, oh no, if the Lord comes, the, the, the believers that died are, are going to be forgotten and left. So Paul had to deal with this issue. Um, look at chapter 4. Turn over to chapter 4 very quickly here. Uh, and uh, Paul says, But I would not have you uh, be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye uh, uh, sorrow not, even as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? See, Paul was trying to comfort them. Say, hey, look, all it takes is us trusting in Jesus Christ. Like the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, which are alive are, uh, unto the coming of our Lord, shall not uh, prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven and uh, with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. So what was Paul doing? Paul was, the, and that's what, this, that's what these books are about, trying to educate, trying to let these young believers understand and know that God wants them to focus on Him. There are two basic philosophies when it comes to pastoring. 
One is to encourage people to religion. Religion, the definition is commitment or devotion to religion, to, excuse me, to a religious faith or an adherence. In other words, to an organization, to a person, or to a philosophy. That's what religion teaches. The other philosophy is to encourage people to a relationship. We see Paul in verse 3 of our passage here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't say in the church. He didn't say in me, the Apostle Paul. He said in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now I skipped this because for time's sake, but if you want to know what Jesus thinks of religion, go to Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28. Basically, in a nutshell, he hates religion. Oh, it's Matthew 23, 27 and 28, verses 27 and 28. See, Paul's burden was to point people to Jesus Christ. Paul's burden was to get them to focus on that little piece of metal. Paul's burden was not for them to just meander through life, just randomly throwing the ball, hoping it's going to go in the hoop. Paul's burden was to point them to Jesus Christ. Number three, in closing, the message. The message of the book of First and Second Thessalonians is very, very simple. And that is, how does God want me to live? How does God want me to live? See, Paul, Paul did not look at doctrine as something boring or, or something to be argued between theologians. See, we, we oftentimes in society today think that doctrine is something that, that, that theologians in, in our seminaries and our Bible colleges across the country like to sit around and argue about. Well, I, I'm here to tell you that happens often. But that's not what doctrine is about. Doctrine is about how we are supposed to live. And Paul didn't look at doctrine as some, some, some burden that we had to carry on and, and to take on in ourselves. But Paul looked at doctrine as a, as a way for him and others to get closer to Jesus Christ. And that's what doctrine is. And, and again, in our society today, we, there are a lot of churches that, that teach that doctrine isn't important. Well, I'm here to tell you, Paul would come out of the grave if he heard that. 
Doctrine is important. It is the very thing that binds us together as believers. It is the Word of God, not the philosophy of men that changes lives. John chapter 17, verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Psalm chapter 119, uh, verses 9 to 12, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to what? Thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Let thy word, uh, excuse me, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me in what? Thy statutes. See, it is, it is those things that are going to change our lives. I can stand up here all day long and tell you funny stories and, and, and tell you how, how you can live your life and feel better about yourself. And it's not going to do a thing to change your life. But as we look through the book of First and Second Thessalonians, Paul is going to give us doctrine that can change our lives. The message of these books is very, very clear. What are you going to focus on? Are you going to allow the noise of the world? Like I said earlier, the noise that you deal with is different from the noise that I deal with. And trust me, I would rather trade you any day. You don't want to trade, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I don't want that. But the reality is this. We all have noise. We all have work problems. We all have family problems. We all have whatever. But what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on that? Or are you focusing on that little piece of metal that holds the hoop to the backstop? Now, I'm not promising you, I am not promising you, if you will focus on the Lord, I'm not promising you that every time you shoot the ball, you'll make it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, if you will focus on the Lord, you're a whole lot more apt to make the basket than if you're just randomly standing there shooting. Let's close with this. What are you what are you focusing on? It's it's really a simple choice. Now you say, but Pastor, you don't understand all of the noise that's in my life right now. And and the truth is, I I, I don't. I, I, I there's no way in the world I could know. But I do know this that through practice and time that noise can get quieter and quieter and quieter.
and the percentage of shots that you make goes up. And the the focus that I'm talking about here, just as in the lives of the Thessalonians, is not going to happen overnight. Now, can change can change happen overnight? Absolutely. And that's the goal to get change. Everybody keeps asking me about my knee, and they, you know, how you doing, Pastor? Well, I'm doing I'm doing better. And 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 the truth is. You, you've seen me walking a little bit this this morning. Last week I couldn't move. But what 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 is, what is it? What's what's happening? Just baby steps every day. Well, that well that too. Just 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 baby steps every day. And next week I'm I, my plan is to not have crutches next week. That's my goal. Now whether or not I can do that I don't know. But the, my goal is. You know what? I want to improve a little bit every day. And and spiritually speaking, that ought to be our goal. We need to just one step at a time. There have there are people that should be here this morning that are not because they dropped out of church. They got saved. They wanted to start walking with the Lord, but they expected to go from 0 to 60 in 2 weeks. And I sat there and have tried to explain to them, it doesn't work that way. It is baby steps. We are called to run the race, not a sprint, but the marathon. It is one step at a time. And they get frustrated and say, you know what, I'm done. Don't do that. Don't get frustrated. Don't lose focus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you.